Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. To the show and today my guest is Steph Parry. Steph is a TV and theatre actress from North Wales. She's appeared in numerous West End shows including Wicked, Mamma Mia, 42nd Street, Billy Elliot and she's currently starring in Mamma Mia The Party at the O2 as the lead role of Kate. In 2018, she made national news headlines when she ran from her dressing room at 42nd Street to take over the role of Donna in Mamma Mia at a moment's notice when the leading lady sustained a head injury 15 minutes into the show. Steph's also appeared in many of the UK's favourite shows, including Casualty, Emmerdale and Unforgotten. Now, in spring 2021, she was devastated when her husband told her he was leaving her. Not only because her life as she knew it was about to change, but also due to the amount of shame she felt about failing in marriage. After meeting me at a divorce retreat just nine weeks after her breakup, where I was championing throwing colour at your life, Steph has implemented that more than ever and is thriving. So I am super excited to welcome Steph Parry to the show. Welcome, Steph. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm very excited. So I know you have been on a bit of a roller coaster recently. So please share your story with my listeners because I know it's going to resonate with so many of them out there. Um, so yes, I'm currently uh, knee deep in a divorce, which kind of came quite out of the blue for me. Um, so it was April of this year. Uh, 2021 if um, we're listening to this this year it was a Saturday night and we'd just done a family quiz during lockdown uh, on zoom and uh, my husband had, had gone to bed and I and I asked him if he was okay and he said uh, he, he said that he had a um, he, he was fine he just had a stomach ache and I was like oh can I get you anything no and then I went but are you actually okay something made me question are you sure you're all right and uh, and then he just started to kind of um, seem to have a bit of a panic attack, and and I was like, what's what's happening? Are you what's going on? What's I, I don't understand. Like, and then it just it dawned on me. I just knew. I just had a moment, and I just knew that what what he was trying to say, and and it was like my whole world crumbled in that moment. And um, very quickly, he he moved out and um, wanted a divorce. I was so, I have this, I remember sitting on my bathroom floor, FaceTiming a friend of mine and just saying, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Cause my life, as I thought it was going to go, um, had suddenly changed. It's like the, the it, I'd been derailed and I was suddenly going on a different track. Um, and I wasn't sure of what that destination was. Um, and, yeah so that was april of this year and then i we tried we were keeping it amicable it was a, it was an amicable split he just didn't love me anymore he said 
and then I discovered a lot of stuff um, over the the following weeks um, because I'd never I'd never thought that anything I'd never thought we had any kind of problems or anything like that and then I started to do a bit of digging and discovered that there was a lot of deception um, and that was something that I found very difficult to deal with um, and yeah so that's kind of in a nutshell of what's happened to me we're now into um it's we just had the 7th of december the decree nice has come in so that's quite a quick from as much as it feels like a long time it's like seven months um but from what i believe from my solicitor that's quite a quick divorce that's happened and we should have the absolute by mid-jan um and all the finances are pretty much worked out so within a year has been all of this stuff that's happened and you know it's kind of it'll be what's that nine months later and i'll be divorced so that was a very very quick way of saying <laughs> what, what my story is really with to do with that i mean it is a real emotional roller coaster when you you know, find out out the blue, isn't it? That, that yeah. suddenly someone doesn't want to be with you. And then also when you think it's amicable and then you start to find out maybe things aren't quite what they seem for whatever reasons, that again has another impact on you. So can you describe to my listeners how you were feeling at that time? God, I think I think the only word that I can, describe, I can say is broken. I was, um, I, I, I've never understood anxiety. I've never understood what anxiety is and people say I get anxious and all that kind of stuff. And I've never been somebody who suffered from that until when I think about those first two weeks um, after it happened, I, I wasn't eating. I, my sleep was just like, I was so um, sporadic. I was getting a couple of hours a night if, if I was lucky. Um, my heart rate, was, I, honestly, there was times where I thought my heart was gonna burst out my chest. And because I'm somebody who, I love the gym and I and I do CrossFit and I go to the gym where there's loads of people there and stuff. And I, I kind of threw myself into the gym, which initially was, <laughs> was not the best idea. And I remember doing a, a box that was like a box jumps and I was jumping over this box and I could just, I think I looked at my watch and my heart rate was 212. And, and I just was like, oh my God. And I just sat down and the trainer was just like, Steph, like, cause people had started noticing. Cause at this point I wasn't, you know, my, my really close circle knew, but like everybody who I see daily had no idea. Yeah, so, so my, those initial feelings were, were feelings of that I was never going to get through this. I, that this was never going to be resolved and my life was over kind of those, those feelings, um, which now I kind of think about and think, oh, wow. Like I, I can't, um, um, to, to look back on that and to talk about that and be like, gosh, that I was in a really dark, dark place, which I'm sure, mm you know, anybody listening to this and, um, and that's how I started to get through it was by seeking out things like this. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it is like you say, it's a dark time. And unfortunately it is part of the healing process. We have to go into that place of grief and overwhelm and sadness 
in order to sort of grieve the end of that relationship because it's like a bereavement in a way but you've also got the added shock there that it suddenly changed for you it's just mm. suddenly one conversation and suddenly your whole world is tipped upside down which you weren't prepared for so you know I think a lot of people listening will really resonate with that and thank you for sharing I mean I think it's really common to find a coping strategy and going to the gym I know that was one of my things and I threw up on the treadmill because I you're pushing yourself so much to almost distract yourself from that pain and your body can't cope. And quite often, you know, that full on hardcore exercise that you were talking about there, you know, pushes us too far because we're too adrenalized anyway. And then that just pushes us into either panic attacks or just vomiting or, you know, whatever it is. So again, it's about, like you say, listening to your body and seeing what's going to work for you at those times. I mean, I guess, you know, for a lot of people, this is really going to help them because you might have seen you on the TV or might have seen you on stage, you know, seen your career, follow you on Instagram. And to know that, you know, you've been through those emotions and they were real for you too. You know, I think it's really inspiring. So thank you for sharing that. So oh, I should probably actually say this to you. So this happened on the Saturday. On the Monday, my agent phoned me with uh, an audition for Casualty. And, and I was literally like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I do not know how I'm going to make this work. And the part was for a woman who, she was a marathon runner and she couldn't stop running because her and her husband used to run together and her husband had now died. And I was like, oh my God, like how? And, and it just ended up being like, and I remember, and it was as I was starting to discover things too. And I just was like, I can't concentrate on the script my friend, she was, I was like, can you just test me on these lines? And she literally sat me down and just said, do not let him ruin the biggest audition that you've had. Like, do not let him take this away from you. You need to go in there and you need to do your best. And, and it was thanks to her and thanks to another a, a director's friend of mine who, who literally just directed me through my audition tape and, and then, and then I booked it and then, and, for me to literally be kind of a couple of days after he'd he'd left to then get my agent ringing me with this great job and it was just like uh, just a small bit of validation of like you're going to be okay like mm. and you still you've got this and you've got a support network around you that are helping you and um and he isn't everything yes There's other stuff that is important to me and that I'm capable of and yeah. I think, always think it's fascinating how when you get out of something that may, you may not even seen that it was holding you back, but if he wasn't committed to you in the way that you were to him, there would have been on some level, some unconscious level, you would have felt that there was something somewhere that wasn't really fulfilling for you because that's just how it works, isn't it? If you're not being loved, even though you love, you're not hundred percent happy. So that, that's something that can be difficult, but you know, noticing the signs of when that's gone and then suddenly there are great things, opportunities that show up that maybe you wouldn't have seen or you wouldn't have noticed or you wouldn't have taken part in. I mean, all credit to you for digging deep though, because when you are going through that initial trauma, yeah. it's incredibly hard. So how did you dig deep? I mean, I know you mentioned friends there. Do you think support team is is, is critical to you in those times? Oh, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I was so lucky. I'm, I was so lucky to have the people around me who I had who were just there to to help you know just just to 
you know, they, like I have friends that just like dropped everything and just came and like, you know, <laughs> cooked dinner for me because I was like refusing mm -hmm. to eat. And, um, and uh, you know, my, my two director friends who were like, come round and we will, we're literally just going to tell you what to do. Um, and it was, you know, just learn the lines and ev and everything else you'll be able to access will we'll guide you through it. And it's also, I think, a little bit of being able to be in the moment. So to be able to be in that, the moment that you're in right then, and it's like right now, all I've got to do, and I've heard this a few times actually, and I hear it, I, I think I, it was somebody I was listening to on one of your podcasts, and it was a woman who talked about her children. And she was like, I had to be there for my children they gave me the distraction they just needed feeding and watering at that point so that's what i had to do and for me it was like at this point i have to do the best audition tape that i can possibly do in this moment and that's all i've got to do nothing mm. else matters right now it's just this so i think it's it's taking those little bits right i can control this right now i can't control all this other stuff that's going on in my life but this thing here i can do um so i think it yeah it's, it was a bit of that really I love that. It's very good advice, actually, just focusing on what you can control, where you do have to step up, because obviously, you know, if you've got kids and that isn't is that my son was one when I found out and my husband was, didn't want to be with me anymore. And so, you know, I literally had to step up. I couldn't stay in bed all day because he'd still be where I left him the last time I saw him. So, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of have to step up and you have to do certain things. But even having those things to give yourself a bit of a routine during the day, you know, actually gives you something to focus on, which then as the time goes by, you start to, you know, start to process the information which keeps you going. But talking about kids now, I know, I know that you had thought about having kids, hadn't you, with your husband at the time? Um, so tell me a little bit about that, because actually not having kids and coming out of the relationship, I know for a lot of people listening, they've been in similar situations. I've heard from clients, you know, I felt robbed or, you know, taking my choice away because now I couldn't have kids because, you know, I was getting to the age where that might be harder. So could, would you mind sharing with us how you feel about that? Yeah, I, I am quite career driven and was very much like, you know, when I, I was I put off having children for quite a while um, and it was always a bit of a bone of contention between me and my husband and it was very much like he wanted to start a family and I was like I don't think I'm ready but then kind of when like lockdown happened and it just seemed like kind of divine timing of like this is okay well this is this is this this is it now let's let's do it let's go for it and so we started we, we did start trying for children and and I got pregnant twice um and unfortunately lost lost both of those um miscarried uh, both of those pregnancies and actually the the most recent miscarriage was a matter of weeks before he left are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce are you feeling devastated heartbroken sad and anxious if so please know that you are not alone and there is help available Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, 
including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. The most recent miscarriage was a matter of weeks before he left, which was I found very confusing because I was like, if you were going to leave, like why, why were we trying for for a child? Absolutely. Um, and and one of the things that I said to him when when he he did leave was that even though we were trying for children and and, and when the miscarriages happened, I was I was gutted. Like I was it. it it's it's not a very nice experience to go no. through for anybody. No, I've been through one myself, so I I know it's very tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so when he left, I felt very much like I, I said to him, you, "You've taken the choice away from me. That's it now. You know, I'm I'm nearly forty. Um, I, in order to have the time to to meet somebody, to to decide that that's what we want to do together, it's I'm probably going to be." A, you know, may potentially, maybe not. Um, but I felt like the choice had kind of been taken away. However, that was, I, I feel, a reaction a bit in the moment because now I'm very much kind of of the mind that I might just not carry a child, but that doesn't mean that I won't be a mum at some point. So that was just, I think, in that moment, a very emotional reaction. Whereas mm. now I'm kind of like, oh, no, I... I but <laughs> this, I, this sounds, I, I, I feel quite, I don't know how I feel saying this, but I feel very like if we'd have had a child together and I've now found out everything that I know, I don't know how I would have, I feel like I don't, the miscarriages were horrible, but I don't know how I would, would deal with that, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to not have a tie to him. So that I've been able to move on, um, and I think that's that. You know, if I'm going to be brutally, brutally honest, that's kind of how I feel with that. Yeah, well, I think we have to take control of our thoughts, and we have to find what is the silver lining. And for you know, for you, I think that's a really strong way of looking at it because you know, I, there's a lot of people who are listening right now are probably going, yes, exactly, that happened to me and now I'm stuck and I've got to co-parent with someone who's just difficult and lied to me for so long. It's very difficult. So actually to have the ability to have that closure and shut that door and never have to speak to them or communicate to them or see them at a family event ever again, you know, there's definitely a huge silver lining to that. I'm sure a lot of people listening will go, yes, I wish my case was the same. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think we've all got to find a way of processing whatever our situation, however tough, and miscarriages are you know, incredibly difficult and, you know, emotionally challenging times. But, you know, I think it shows a real strength of character for you to be able to turn that into, well, actually, you know, maybe everything happens for a reason, I guess. And, and that was, you know, tough, but that could have been even tougher. So, yeah, so it's, um, it's a good way to flip it and to move forward. So, I mean, looking back now, Steph, I mean, you've come a long way in quite a short space of time. Yeah. Looking back to, you know, those early days, I know, I know you actually reached out for help, didn't you? And you went on a retreat. That's where we met initially, wasn't yeah. it? to share that because I know going on a retreat or going to talk to somebody about this for a lot of people they find it very very daunting 
Mm. So tell us a little bit about how you made that decision. Well, so for the first, like, for the, so I said, the first few weeks, I was, you know, this, this broken mess. And then, and as well, the thing that I think I found quite difficult was I don't, I don't have a massive amount of people in my circle who've, who have got divorced. Um, and so I started to kind of, um, there was a couple of women I knew at the gym that had been get through similar. And so I was very much kind of talking to them about it. And because I think as well, and this happens, you feel like you're the only person who, who feels these feelings and that this is, you're the only person this has ever happened to and nobody will understand. Um, and my agent sent me um, Rosie Green's book. Um, she'd, I think Rosie was a friend of a friend of hers. Um, and she said when, when she first found me with that audition and realized that there was something wrong and, um, and then she was like, oh, there's this book, there's this, there's this book. I just found out what it is. And, and then I'd forgotten about it. And then it just appeared a few weeks later. Um, and I read it. it was when we were having really hot days and lockdown was still kind of coming out of it. And I was sat in the garden reading this book, um, and feel like going, oh, like resonating with so much and it that you know that that i think about that book and i think about how that helped me so much because it just made it normalized so much of what i was feeling um and then i think i just then looked on instagram at rosie green and one of the first posts that i saw was this retreat and it was in reading which is only like an hour away from me and it was on a day that i was free and I just was thinking, I was like, I meant to go on this. And I just booked it there and then. And so that will have only been about four weeks after, because it was about five weeks away. And then when I went on the retreat, I was only nine weeks into the the whole process. And I remember chatting to so many women and they were like, you seem like you're like, how long have you, how long have you been this? I was like nine weeks. And they're like, what and i was like i'm just not willing to let him have my life so i'm moving on and i'm here because and i just remember you talking and um saying about throwing color at your life and i was like yes that's totally what i've started to do and um and i think it i just was like and i was baffled by the stories i couldn't get over some of them that i was like ah oh how how do human beings do this to other human beings i don't understand um but in the same it it was a real i don't know it just in that room with a load of women who all could understand what everybody was going through and a few people you know the conversations that you had and i remember having a conversation with a woman who was waiting for her husband to come home and she'd been waiting for five years for her husband to come home. And I was just like, no, no, like you need to make it about you, like forget him. And so it was just felt like a real day of, I don't know, empowerment really. And, yeah. And yeah, that, that was an amazing event. So Rosie Green, for those people who don't know, do check her out. Rosie Green is on um, Life's Rosie is her Instagram handle. And she's written a book called How to Heal a Broken Heart, which is the book that you're Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing book. And, you know, Rosie actually came to me when she was going through her divorce and she was a client of mine. 
Um, and then she came on one of my live retreats that I, I run. And then, yeah, and then she did her own retreat and invited me to speak with some other great speakers. And it was a really lovely day because actually when you go to those things, it can be really daunting to go into the room, can't it? <laughs> Thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I walking into here? But actually, like you say, it can give you some huge perspective. And the fact that you were nine weeks and there's some people that have waited five years. And I think that's a really strong message for people listening that, you know, it's, it doesn't matter the timing. It has to come from you. But actually, if you don't take action, you know, what's life going to be like in a year's time, two years, five years? You know, I've got a client right now who's 15 years out of her relationship. Her husband has teenagers from his next marriage. And she is still in the same flat living what I call, like she refers to as a, a very gray life. She said, it's just gray. There's no color in her life. And that's one of the things, you know, that I talk about that you mentioned, like if often we're stuck because the future is just like a blank canvas and we need to throw as much color on it as possible so that we can get excited about it. And clearly that's what you, you've been doing, which is amazing. And I think stepping up and taking action will always help that. So looking back now to those early weeks, even before the nine weeks, like week one and two. So what would your advice be now with, with hindsight, Steph, to yourself back then? I think it's just, it's the, it's the, you'll be okay. Like, and, um, and like time is the greatest healer. The thing that, that really kind of helped me so much was it was all like about what lights me up what brings me some kind of joy? Like, what is it that is literally going to make me happy for a bit of today? Um, and that's what I really kind of focused on. Um, so it'd be, I'd be like, I, my advice to myself now would be like, right, what is it, if it's, it's literally that you're just gonna go get yourself a coffee and go for a walk in the nice woods that, that will make you just give you a feeling of, do that, do more of that. Um, and you know, I always wanted to go on an adventure holiday. That's what I was, you know, with my husband. I was like, let's go and do some adventure things. And he'd always be like, no. And so in the summer, I booked my, because we couldn't go anywhere, but I'm from North Wales originally. So I decided that I was going to go to North Wales and I booked myself on a load of adventure things. I did rock climbing and paddleboarding and co-steering and things. and and just did a load of stuff that I wanted to do by myself. And it was scary and weird. And I was with all these random people, but it was great. And it was like, I didn't need anybody to be there with me because I just met loads of random people. So it was, it's things like that. Those are the things that got me through was just doing the stuff that I like to do. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the gym was such a huge help because I would like find myself deciding that I wanted to be able to lift this certain amount of weight and then I'd work towards that. And um, I don't necessarily if I've, know if I've answered the question that you asked me, but I think it's just, yeah, it's just, I'd tell myself to just keep, and just put one foot in front of the other, just take, and that was it. It was like I had to just take every day as it came and then the next day i couldn't think big picture i had to just think now um yeah that's really good advice because it can be overwhelming can't mm. it to look at the big picture because there's just so many unknowns i guess but actually yeah. breaking it down 
And I, I think, it, yeah, what you said there about doing activities and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. But, you know, quite often people say to me, well, I don't really have that many friends because all my friends are married. And I don't have someone to do things with. But actually, sometimes the people that help us the most or in some ways, you know, in, in some really deep ways to get through our breakup is that are actually strangers that you don't even know, you know, right now because you don't. But the kindness of strangers when you meet them or you're doing a joint activity can quite often bowl you over. I think yeah. that's something that is very special. And having done lots of those sort of adventure things myself, you know, you go there thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm on my own. But by the end of it, you've got a whole group of great friends that you've bonded over, you know, some new activity. So you never really have to be on your own again because they're probably willing to go on other trips and do other things with you and try other things. So, you know, it's really the first time that's probably the scariest and then yeah. you can crack on but tell me now I mean obviously you've moved on and you're you're getting on with your life how did you get back into dating because I know you've tried it so how did you do that for people listening who are going yes that sounds great but I'm too scared to date especially after what happened to you yeah. and having the rug pulled from underneath you learning to sort of trust yourself enough to make a better choice in a partner how did you get to the position for that so a friend of mine gave me a piece of advice like quite early on it was probably like a couple of months in and she made me write a list and she made me write a list of what is it that I want like who who am I looking for um and she was like and so I was writing all this stuff like he must be funny or he must be done and she's like no 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 I want you to take that and I want you to write like a so I, I think I'd written something like I want him to be adventurous or something and she was just like, well, you know, go into it much more. And I was just like, and then, so then I had to then write something like, um, so whether or not that's that we go rock climbing on a Sunday afternoon or that we just wake up one morning and decide to go to Sainsbury's and get a picnic and we sit in a park, you know, basically she was like, right, get into detail, like into what it is you're looking for and get really specific of the type of person that you're looking to meet. So I did that kind of just as an exercise, because it was something to do. And I was feeling a bit down at that point. Um, and, but it made me kind of go, oh, right. Okay, now I, I know the type of person who I would, would, would like to be with. Um, and then uh, I went to uh, the Rosie's retreat and um, she did a dating masterclass. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Everybody was like sitting there being all like really, oh, I can't ask a question. I just kept asking questions because I was like, what do I do about this? And what do I do about this? And I was really kind of interested in how I put myself out there because when I, before I was married, like apps didn't exist. There was dating websites, but there were no apps. Um, so I was like, please explain these apps and how they work. And, um, and so I just kind of, because it was, not working a great deal at the time because of um lockdown which actually ended up being a bit of a godsend because i don't know how i would do uh, a theater job um in the place that i was at when it all first happened but i just i played uh the game um and that's kind of what rosie advised to do as well it was very much like numbers game and because where you're at when you've been through a breakup is you know as you will well know um the rejection is just so much i don't know you're kind of a little bit um more sensitive than perhaps you would be normally so 
I, oh God, I had an awful experience actually where I'd been chatting to a guy for a while and then he ghosted me and it just hit, hit me hard. And I thought I was doing really well, but it was a really bad day. And a, and a friend of mine had to kind of pick up the pieces that night. And that was when you kind of go, oh, okay, no, I am still I'm not quite as together as I think I am. Um, and that taught me to kind of, and I'd had some red light at some, because he'd like, he'd started messaging me loads, like, and I was like, oh no, that's a red flag. But I'd kind of not, listen, I'd kind of not listened to the red flags. And it was, it's quite an interesting experience, really, because it made me go, you had some gut instincts, and you didn't listen to them. Um, but it was very much like the numbers thing. So chatting to a few people, because people will ghost you, people will, um, you know, say something inappropriate and you're like oh well, I'm done with you so if you're chatting to a few people as well then you're not giving yourself over as much and that's what I found I was very much like you know chat away with somebody that I'm like oh, okay this person I'd quite, quite like to meet and I met a few people like just you know nothing kind of um just knowing that the, you know they that they just weren't kind of what I was really kind of looking for and I very much then kind of I got myself to a place of my life is pretty good my, I'm happy I'm happy with I'm happy with where I'm at I'm happy with my circle of friends and my life and and somebody is gonna have to come along and make my life better in order for me to let them in and that's kind of where I got myself to and I was like I'm not going to um, give up this for uh, you know for, I, I'm not somebody has to come in and take it to up a notch not come in and then make me have to oh I've got to not do that and not do that and so that's kind of where I got myself to a place of with with dating I think that's really good advice because a lot of people when they go into dating world is well you know how do I show up are they going to like me are they going to like this about me, worried about certain parts of themselves? Are they going to find that attractive or, you know, I've got kids or I've got this or whatever. But actually, it's not about that. It's what you say is it's turning it around and it's like, you've got to come in here and make my life better. It's not just about me improving your life, which obviously is part of it, but it's about you coming in and also, you know, augmenting my life and making my world a better place to be. So absolutely. I think that's a really, it's really good advice. And practicing spotting the red flags. Again, dating apps are great for that. You can really hone your skills without even going to meet anyone and just see if you're getting better at spotting those warning signs and trusting your instinct, as you talked about earlier. Well, I mean, I think it's fascinating and I'm, I'm really pleased and grateful to you that you, you wanted to share your story because I think it will have inspired so many people listening. And I know you share this on your Instagram. So tell us a little bit about how people can find you and follow what you're doing in your work. Uh, so I'm that Steph Parry on uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm currently actually I'm in Mamma Mia the party at the O2 at the moment, so uh, I'm spreading the Abba joy uh, uh, on a daily basis. Um, that sounds like great fun, you know. I mean, that's singing and dancing and all those things are something that make you happy even when you're having a tough day. Does that does that work for you? It, I mean, it does. Yeah, it does. It's because of what the job is and how much you, I have to give so much to to the audience to kind of. I always feel like I give over a part of myself because I'm like, it's so important that you have a good time. If I'd have been doing that, because it closed because of lockdown, but if I'd have been doing that job in April, then I don't think anybody would have been having that good a time with, with me at the helm. Um, 
Oh, well, thankfully, I'm in a place that much better place these days, so it's all good. Awesome, awesome. Well, that definitely sounds like something for my bucket list. So, I have one last question for you, Steph, that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. My podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness, and I think it's really important to really define what happiness is for you so that even when you're having one of those tough days, you can tap into that. So, what is happiness for you? What's happiness to me? I think it's when you're kind of in flow and when things just feel it's like you're you're lit up like it's like your christmas tree and you've just i mean i'm wearing my christmas tree jumper today um and somebody's just switched you on and you can't help but like it's like a that feeling and and it doesn't necessarily happen you know i'm saying that and it makes it sound like it's really big but actually i think sometimes you can if you're just in a state of flow and in a state of acceptance of yourself and your um, and where you're at in that moment, then I think that's that's happiness. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. It doesn't need to be a massive thing, does it? It can just be just a sense of peace and calm sometimes. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. I know that you will have inspired so many people with your ideas and your thoughts. So thank you so much, Steph, for being a fabulous guest. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to at that Steph Parry on Instagram to follow Steph and all her work and find out more about what she's up to. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.